Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. On this week's episode, we hear from Pastor Chris as he encourages us to dig deeper into the Word. This morning, we're going to be talking about, um, really, intimacy with God. And in that context of intimacy and deep relationship with God, loving the Word of God and seeing the Word of God come alive. Um, As we seek the Lord in prayer and in fasting and and in worship, and in the reading of the word, some amazing things begin to happen and develop in our lives. We're going to look at uh, one really classic Bible story this morning. And if you ever grew up going to Sunday school, you'll know this story. You'll know the story. We're going to get into this. But as I was reading it um, just last week, it's like it began to open to me in a new way. I began to see myself in the story in so many new ways, um, and it really experienced the story. So I'm excited to dig into the story. It's in the book of Luke. I'm not going to tell you where yet. Before we do, I just want to talk about um, the Word of God. And if you have your Bible, you can open it to Psalm 119. We're not going to read this whole psalm. And if you're taking notes, yeah, this is a long one. Some of you know this. What is it, 176 verses or something? It's a big one. This is a really powerful psalm. This is a psalm of David, and he's writing. Throughout this psalm, we see um, him reference God's decrees God's laws, God's word, God's promises over 60 times. It may even be more like 70. I walked through the psalm, and what I did was just started noting every verse that David talked about God's decrees, God's laws, God's words, God's promises. So what I drew from this, I wrote up this document. This is a, it fits on one page. I wanted to print this off, but it's an eight-point font, so no one can actually read that. So I didn't print it off for you. Um, but I have it, and what it is, is it's a walk through Psalm 119 that talks about drawing from that psalm. It explains what the Word of God is, and I just want to read some of these. I would encourage you to read through Psalm 119 this week, but Psalm 119, the Word of God, and I drew these from David's statements about God's decrees, his laws, his words, his promises. The Word of God, according to verse 1, is the way to happiness, Verse four, the word of God is given to me to obey. Verse nine, the word of God is the way to stay pure. Verse 10, the word of God is the way to find God. Verse 11, the word of God is what holds me back from sin. Verses 13 through 16, the word of God is to be recited, rejoiced in, meditated on, given full respect, delighted in, and not forgotten. Verse 18, the word of God is full of wonderful things. 19, the word of God is my map, my chart, and my guide. I love verse 20. This struck me. The word of God is to be longed for. This is what David says in verse 20. I long for your instructions more than I can tell. That's a deep longing. You ever had a deep desire for something? David had a deep, deep desire for the word of God, the understanding of God. But it was even deeper than he could tell. So as we're going through this, there's so many more. The word of God is right and good. It's our only hope. It's to be loved and to be enjoyed. It's meant to fill my life. The word of God is strength in all of my troubles. The word of God refreshes and revives me. It's my comfort. This is only about a third of the way through the list. But I would encourage you, read through Psalm 119 this week. Begin to understand how powerful and potent and important the word of God is and can be in your life. You know, as we hit the new year, I begin to think, and I love that God established 
or somewhere along the line, things became established as we got this year cycle, and every time we hit January 1st, it seems that it's the natural tendency to think again, Lord, what do I want to see this year? And everybody does this. We do New Year's resolutions. We start thinking, like, what do I want to achieve? Where do I want my family to go this year? What do I want to see in my personal life this year? Um, What do I want to see change this year, right? So as we're going into 2020, I was just been praying, and I know many of us have, God, what are you saying about this year? Where are you taking us this year? And one of those things that we really feel as a church and as leadership is that God's calling us into a deeper place of personal relationship and intimacy with God. And one of those ways, you guys, is going to be through the reading of his word. So we're, we're not um, making anybody do this, but Carter, can you throw that slide up? There's this beautiful app I just want to make you aware of called the Read Scripture app. This is a phenomenal group called the Bible Project, but the app's called Read Scripture. If you're interested in doing the Bible through in a year, maybe you've never done that, maybe you have already, but that's something you're interested in, this is a fantastic plan that we're going to encourage everybody to jump on starting February 1st. So you can download this app and get on that plan. If you're not an apps person, anybody not an apps person, we're going to have some hard copy bookmark type things, okay, that will kind of help you and be the same guide, okay? But on the app, there's other videos and resources and really cool stuff. Did you know that it only takes, to read through the Bible in a year, it only takes about 10 to 15 minutes a day. It's really not that much, you know? So if you're interested in that, that's going to be an option. But regardless of whether you join us in that endeavor, I would just encourage you to remember, we're pursuing intimacy and relationship with the Lord, As we read his word, his spirit begins to come alive in our lives. So, we're excited about that. Awesome. Is that okay? Cool. We are going to dig into this message. Would you pray with me? And why don't you pray for me too and pray that I can stay on track today. Okay, deal? (laughs) Insert nervous laugh. (laughs) All right. Let's pray. Lord... We just thank you. You are here, God. We have experienced you moving. We know that you are in our midst, Father. I pray that our hearts would right now just begin to become awakened to your presence, awakened to your love, Lord, awakened to your Holy Spirit, Father. I thank you for what you've done this morning. I thank you for the way that your spirit has been moving, God, the way that you touched us in our first service, Lord. I thank you there's more. God, I pray you take us deep right now into your presence, Father. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you open your Bible up to Luke chapter 19? If you don't have a Bible or a phone app, it's going to be up on the screen as well. But Luke chapter 19, this is one of my favorite, favorite Bible stories. And as I begin to read this again, it just spoke to me in a really, really fresh way. I'm going to read out of the NIV translation. Then I may go back and read part in the New Living Translation as well. This is Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1. Some of you have a a heading on your chapter there. It is about Zacchaeus, the tax collector. (laughs) It's Zacchaeus. Yeah. Just checking with you. All right. Zacchaeus, the tax collector. This is Luke 19, verse 1. 
Here we go. You can probably hear your Sunday school teacher saying this, a lot of you. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Verse five, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. Powerful story. Interesting story. I think for a lot of us, it's just a story. It's that cute story that I learned in Sunday school. I just pray we'd glean something fresh from this this morning. I'm going to read some of these verses again in the New Living Translation. This is just a paraphrase. I love how this pops off the page, this translation. Luke 19, verse 1. You don't have to go through it again on the screen, but... Verse one, as Jesus was passing through Jericho, a man named Zacchaeus, one of the most influential Jews in the Roman tax collecting business, and of course, a very rich man, tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowds. And I share a brief experience with you um, that took place on Christmas Eve uh, of last year. This was about three weeks ago. My wife and I were um, in Palm Beach, Florida, and it was our last full day there. We were coming home on Christmas, and we decided we're going to go to a Christmas Eve service that night. So it was about 4 p.m. Christmas Eve in sunny Southside, Florida. And people got Christmas lights up. Anybody been there over Christmas before? Been to Florida? It's just fun. Christmas lights up everywhere. You got these, you know, people dressed like in light bulb necklaces and stuff, just walking around town. And they tried to do it up really big. And it was fun. So we're, we're there for Christmas Eve. We said, let's go to Christmas Eve service. So we Google some churches. We find this nice one. And we say, let's do that. We've driven by it before. We drive into the church, not into the church. We drive into the parking lot, <laughs> park our car. It's a rental. And we get out, walk through. We didn't buy the renter's insurance either. Don't do that. It's a rip. It's a rip up. We get in the church and they give us our candle. You know, we walk in, there's going to be candlelight service. So we sit down and the sanctuary, just to kind of give you an idea, the sanctuary is pretty narrow. I would say it was, it was kind of one of those like traditional long narrow sanctuaries, you know what I'm saying? Like two rows of pews, and that's, it. that's about it, just all the way to the back. It was pretty big. I bet it seated maybe 700, 600 people. I have a seven, 750. Um, so we're seated kind of towards the back. The song happens, first song. Band's amazing. They got this full choir. They got um, this full band, kind of like we have. They have an orchestra section with strings and oboe and, you know, like My Heart Will Go On style, you know? And uh, all this really cool band. All these vocalists up in the front, these soloists who are just like wailing away. It was fantastic. We got deeper into the service. It was powerful times of worship too. The pre pastor preached the gospel so clear. It was amazing. But the, the band did the first song. We're only five minutes into the service probably and the pastor comes up on stage and he goes, I'm not making this up. He goes, welcome everybody to Family Church where everyone here is family. We're so glad that you've joined us this Christmas Eve and uh, everyone 
here is family. And we've got some friends from the White House, and, and right at that moment, Secret Service starts rolling in the front, and there's this big commotion, and we start hearing people. Paige looks at me and goes, is that Trump? I'm like, what? I'm just like, this is not possible. And then people are standing up all in the sanctuary. Phones go up. She's like, it's Trump. I'm like, what? We rip our phones out. I'm not making this up. We had Christmas Eve with the Trumps. This is like, this is like better than Christmas with the Cranks. This is Christmas with the Trumps. This is like, woo, next level stuff. So we're not joking. We're sitting there like, are you kidding me? The thing was, there was such a crowd in front. The commotion was just like everybody's hands were up recording. You can hear the lady behind, it, behind us in the row behind us like a minute later, you know, when it's kind of died down. She's like, oh, that is Trump. Oh, my gosh. You know, everybody's just like, oh. You can see his hair really well. He's pretty tall. He's taller than I, than I thought he was, too. But it took a while. The whole time he's coming in, this commotion is kind of happening, I couldn't actually see him. It was like, apparently he's here, and he's sitting down somewhere in the front, because you can kind of see the, the mob, like, moving. But I'm like, I don't actually see him. He'll be on my video, at least. I can zoom in, like, 80 times to try to see his head, you know. So service goes on. We felt, everybody sits down, and we realize, like, our president and his wife are sitting in service with us. This is like mind-blowing. And all we wanted was just to see him, right? Somebody like that walks in, you're just like, I just want to like get a glimpse of this guy. Like, that's, that's our president. This is so cool. This was Zacchaeus' experience in this passage. All Zacchaeus wanted was, I just want to see who this Jesus is. I just kind of want to like get a look, see what he's about. So what does it say he does? He runs ahead of the crowd. He's too short. He runs ahead of the crowd, climbs up in this tree somewhere along the road until here comes the mob, right? This crowded around Jesus. Zacchaeus' goal, see Jesus. But you know what happens when Zacchaeus' goal was to see Jesus? Jesus sees him. And not only does Jesus see him, Jesus looks to him, says, quick, come down, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to eat with you today. This is the experience, and it can be our experience, as we recognize how simple relationship with Jesus is. When we just do what it takes to climb the tree and say, I don't even know what I'm going to get out of this thing. I just want to see Jesus. We don't know what he's going to do. We don't know what he's going to say. But that's my goal. I just want to see Jesus. We position ourselves in a place where Jesus can then see us, come to us, visit us, eat with us, speak with us. And we see what happens. This beautiful wave of repentance happens in Zacchaeus in this moment at the end of the story. Turn with me to Matthew 15. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. There's another fascinating story here. Sometimes Jesus does things that I just think like, wow, that would not be my response to the situation. I want you to put yourself in Jesus' shoes as we read this story, Matthew 15, starting in verse 21. Put yourself in the shoes of Jesus. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. 
My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Jesus did not answer a word. Pause. Isn't that strange? If you're in Jesus' shoes, or in your shoes, and someone approached you on the street, like, please help me. Probably not a natural response to just not say a word, right? Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. This woman was not an Israelite. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. This seems so, <laughs> not, not how I would naturally respond, right? Yes, Lord, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered, woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. This story still kind of like, What's the right word? Confounds me a little bit? Dumbfounds me a little bit? Confounds me? It's fascinating, Jesus' response. But I think what's maybe more fascinating is the woman's response. If I approach you, ask you a really serious question, then I have a request because something is terribly wrong. And I said, can you please help me? And you didn't say a word I probably would turn somewhere else, try the next person in the pew, right? But this woman sees something in Jesus and knows he has my answer. And that's what drove her with her persistence to continue asking. There's another story that we know in the Gospels of the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember this? There's a crowd, big crowd all around Jesus. This woman who's been suffering for many, many years with this disease, we don't know if she's crawling, if she's limping. We don't know if she's just pressing through people. I can imagine in this crowd of maybe more men than women too, just how abrasive that was to have this woman shoving people around as she's trying to get to Jesus. And she finally reaches out, touches the hem of Jesus' garment. You remember? Do you know what happens? Jesus pauses and says, who touched me? His disciples, you remember their response? It would probably be ours. Jesus, there's people all around you touching you. You're in like a big crowd of people touching you. And he goes, no, who touched me? I felt power depart from me. It was the woman's persistence, her pursuit, her hunger to touch Jesus, not just be in the crowd around Jesus. That caused the miracle. That brought the power of God. As we've been going, my, my wife was reading through Matthew. And a theme that she brought forward was like, all these encounters that people had with Jesus came from the one who pressed in, who went after him, who was desperate. It wasn't the crowd can you imagine being Jesus back in the day? The crowd is just constantly following you. You remember he would get into a boat from one side, travel to the other, and by the time he'd land, there was a crowd waiting for him on the other side? Insane. Totally insane. I believe God's asking us this morning and wants to ask you, who do you want to be this year? Do you want to be part of the crowd? 
who's around Jesus, enjoys his presence, likes church, likes, you know, good stuff. The community's cool. It's fun to, like, see people. Oh, I remember seeing you last time Jesus was in our town. It's like, yeah. Or do you want to be the hungry one? Do you want to be the desperate one? Do you want to be like Zacchaeus who said, I've got to see him. I don't just want to be in the crowd kind of abstractly following this figure. I want to see him. I want to touch from him. Zacchaeus, his issue was he was too short. I felt like, too, God was maybe highlighting some areas. Want us to ask, what's, what is it for me? Maybe it's not that I'm too short in stature, but what is it for me that's preventing me from getting to Jesus? Is it fear? Is it doubt? Is it that you don't think you grew up the right way or came from the right background? Is disqualifying you or something? I love this about the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see. Today, in our relationship with God, it looks a lot different, right? If I were to climb that pole right now to try to see Jesus, it's probably not going to do me any good than you sitting right there in a pew, right? But climbing the tree looks so different for us today. And we see it in the story in Matthew of that woman. Do you know what it says she did? She came to Jesus. She knelt before Jesus. And this is the posture that God's given us today to climb. It's secret place. It's getting away with God. It's prayer. It's worship. It's recognizing the spirit of God is in you. He wants fellowship in here with you every day. Deeper than you have today. So I just want to encourage you and ask you, are you going to climb? What are you going to do to climb today? What are you going to do to climb this month? I felt like God was saying, Friday as we were praying, February 1st, God wants us deeper in the water than we were January 1st. Last week was great. But if we stop, we took a little ground. But I see God saying, come deeper in the water. And then March 1st, come deeper in the water. And April 1st, come deeper in the water. And you guys, if we rely on Sundays and think we're just going to get drugged deeper because the church just is going there, it's not going to work that way. It means you climbing the tree. Get in the word. Get in prayer. Get in worship. We were worshiping at home just last week. And it was wild. It was January 1st. I just had praise music on. It was just dancing like wild in my living room and kitchen. And it was so free. It was just so free. You've got to know this. If our worship here as a church isn't rooted in something deeper of daily devotion to God, then Jesus is still calling out to us saying, come, come, away with me. Come, find me. But as we're doing that, just worshiping in the house, this message came on from this conference that happened just over the New Year, New Year's Eve. And I just sat down and began to listen to the message. And I'm sitting at the kitchen table. And it was like, 
the presence of the Holy Spirit began to come so strong in that place. And the message was really good, but it was more than that. It was like, as I'm sitting there just seeking the Lord, waiting on him, he moved in. All I did was climb the tree, said, Jesus, I just want to see you. Then he saw me. So I could begin to just grab my heart. He began to speak to me so deeply again. He began to convict me again. He began to love me again. To this place where I was like, and some of you experience this, it's just you and God and your tears. Or you and God and your laughter. But it's just so real when it's just you and Jesus. And his spirit comes so close. And I just believe God's calling us to that place, you guys, in a deeper, more personal way than ever before. Let's just go ahead and stand up. We can have someone just play the keyboard. I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to move on our hearts. And I just want to ask each of us right now, to decide, Lord, we each have a choice, God, that we'll either be a crowd person this year or we'll be a hungry, desperate person like Zacchaeus who climbed a tree, like the woman with the issue of blood who crawled and pushed just to touch you, like that lady who was so persistent, God, because she knew that you had what she needed. So I just challenge you right now. Tell God, what do you want to, tell him what you want to be this year. You want to be a crowd person? Or do you want to be that one? Just says, God, I've got to have you. I've got to have you. My family's got to have you. It's bigger than just your life, my friend. I sense that in this place, God wants to put this conviction on some of you. Your life is so much bigger than you. And what you do, and if you get away with God or not, it's not just going to end with you. It's going to affect your friends. It's going to affect your family. It's going to affect your generations after you. That it's real. And I just feel the Spirit of God pulling on us this morning, you guys, saying, choose today. You want to be in the crowd? Or you want to be my disciple? You want to follow me generally with the crowd? You want to show up when I show up? Are you going to come after me? Are you going to lay yourself down again? Deny yourself again? Climb the tree. Try to see me. Because if you do, Jesus will see you. He will meet you. He will find you. He will love you. I'm not asking everyone to raise their hands, but if you feel the Holy Spirit and you know he's dealing with you in your heart on this, and maybe you want to say, I want to be that one. I don't want to just be the crowd. But you sense the Holy Spirit really stirring your heart. I just want you to lift your hand. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you. Just receive from the Holy Spirit right now. Lord, thank you. God, I bless what you're doing here. I bless what you're doing, Lord. I thank you for fresh surrender, God. I thank you for fresh surrender. Jesus, teach us to climb the tree. 
All you want is our attention, God. If we look to you, you'll see us. You'll come to us. Teach us to climb the tree, Lord. Jesus. Thank you, God. Again, I'm not going to pressure anybody, but if you sense the Holy Spirit stirring you, I want you to come forward. I want to lay hands on you. I want the prayer team to pray. If you sense that, I just open the altar to you. Stepping forward is just climbing and saying, Jesus, I want to see you. Jesus will meet you. Prayer team, I just want you to begin to move and lay hands on people, pray over people. But if you're desiring that, just stay hungry right now. Look to Jesus. Tell him what you want. Some of you still are in this battle like, God, do I really have what it takes or want to be the one? Am I content just being in the crowd? Allow the Holy Spirit just to move on you. Thank you, Lord God. Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, this is us, Father. It's not a moment of hype, Lord. It's not a moment of trying to get emotional, God. But this is us in a commitment, Father, saying, this is real for me. I want to follow you. I want to be the one, Lord, the one in the crowd who pushes in, the one in the crowd who keeps climbing. So, Jesus, I just pray you impart right now that commitment to do that, Lord. Give us a grace, Father, to say yes to you tomorrow morning. Give us a grace to say yes to you Tuesday morning, Lord. Rewire and change some of our habits, Father. Adjust the way we think about our own lives, God. Open up our eyes to see how important our life is. That what we do with it matters, God. More than just us, Lord. Jesus, let your spirit just move. I just encourage you, if you're up here just seeking, continue just to seek him. And if you leave here today and you feel like, well, I don't know if Jesus saw me or spoke to me or talked to me, don't be discouraged. Climb again. Wait for him to pass by and see you. Meet with him on a daily basis. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burningheartsfargo.com. If you are in the Fargo area, we would love for you to join us at one of our Sunday services, either 9 or 1045 a.m. Have a great rest of your week.